Welcome to Inspiration Whispers. In a world where inspiration and purpose is so needed, we find it for you so you can create real change. I'm your host, Coach Riley, and with us today, we have a very special guest, Mr. Stuart Pierce. And Stuart, I, yes, thank you so much for being here with us today. You have done some fantastic things in the world. Um, you've written several books. You, you vocal coach with people as well as coach on a broader scale. And, and one of your, your clients was Princess Diana, my understanding. Yes. <laughs> and, and so, you know, can you can you fill us in on your journey? How did, how did this come about for you in your life? I found as a child that I had unusual talents, but not ones that fitted well into 3D. So I had great difficulty learning. I had great difficulty learning, uh, uh, learning how to read, dealing with mathematics and so forth. But I always had the ability to see sound. And uh, anyway, cut a long story short, um, my inspirational mother, who alas is now in spirit, um, had this idea that I needed to be in a choir. And that's where I learned how to, how to read through the substance of flow. And people kept on saying to me, there's something about your voice, there's something about your voice. Now, there was not much good else, apparently, about me, <laughs> but there was something about my voice, you know, because I just simply didn't fit in a round peg in a square hole. I just didn't fit into conventional education. And this is all some time ago. I mean, this is just after the Second World War. I'm much older than I look. And uh, then somebody said to me when I was in high school, why did you join this theater group, the drama group at high school, because there's something about your voice. So I joined the group and, the, uh, and automatically this wonderful inspirational teacher said to me, you know, you should be an actor. Now, when these things happened, I saw light around the person. So I just kept going towards the light and ignored all of the horrors, you know, that were, <laughs> that were always disciplining me and suggesting that I was nothing and always be nothing. I went to the light, so I became an actor. Beautiful. So through the 70s, um, I worked as an actor. Yes. And then there was this big, at the end of the 70s, a big organic shift took place because I was living in the United States working as an actor and uh, in New York City on Broadway, off Broadway. And I got a really good agent and the agent sent me out for a series of castings and I got a major movie. So I was packing up New York after about two years of living there and moving to Los Angeles because I was about to become the greatest actor of the 20th century. And uh, or right in the middle of sorting out the apartment, you know, that I was moving out of, the telephone rang and everything went into slow motion, literally. It was the most peculiar experience. And I picked the telephone up, it was almost like, hello? And it was my brother saying, what are you doing? And I said, well, you know what I'm doing? I'm packing to move to Los Angeles. I'm going to become the greatest actor of the 20th century. And he said, well, are you sitting down? You need to know that mum's got terminal cancer. She's got three months to live. What are you going to do about it? And in that moment, I knew I needed to let the movie go. <laughs> of course, the punchline would be, of course, I, ch I chose the movie. No, I let the movie go <laughs> and came back to the United Kingdom, where I'm based now, or I'm based between London and New York. But hey, COVID. 
doctor yeah. for a year and then she passed and then again it was a question of now what happens this was 79 and the telephone rang and everything went into slow motion and here was this extraordinary woman that I'd worked with at the Royal Shakespeare Company where I was an actor who was the voice director and um, she'd been my mentor because there's something about your voice Okay, it keeps popping up. And, um, and and she said, well, what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm not doing anything. I'm being this. And she said, oh, use an expletive. What are you going to do? And I said, I don't know. And she said, well, come and teach for me. Be my apprentice. So a huge door opened. And I ceased being an actor and walked through this doorway into becoming a voice coach. In the second breath, she said, and there's this woman I want you to go and work with. I don't want to work with her. She's just taken over the Conservative Party. So two weeks later, there I was, <laughs> a greenhorn, walking into Downing Street and meeting Margaret Thatcher, who was absolutely amazing. So I'm the man who gave Thatcher her voice. And that began wow. the career. That's the story. Wow. Wheels wow. of destiny, clunk, clunk, clunk. So that's why I believe in inspiration because I just listen to the uh, the inner folds of creation, the wheel, you know, the wheel of destiny, the wheel of fortune, just clunking, and it's always inspirational. I mean, what a fascinating story! I mean, and and beautiful, and and there's something you said that I think a lot of people miss that that you listen. Hmm. Um, and and your you know your fortunate talent you can actually see sound you see I, I think um, in an interview once I saw that you see color when mm. you see sound sound is color yeah I'm a synesthete so I have a crossover of that that sense yeah I I I, I mean you, you, you of course know I mean as as the coach that you are but our senses mark the edge of our consciousness and yeah. through we tend to use one sense predominantly. Well, I'm visual. I so, think you are as well, aren't you? I, I cross between the two. Right. I do. Like, I will, when I coach, I will turn off my camera. That way I can hear what's happening because I get so distracted by the motions that, you know, so sometimes I'll, I'll just go, no, let's, let's, I call it coaching in the dark. <laughs> Shut things mm -hmm. off. So I can really hear because the sound gives us so much more or lack of sound yeah. can give us so much more that that our eyes will deceive. And so um, but yes, I am a visual person. I do. Um, it is. It, but like I said, I get distracted. So, so you know, I've watched other interviews with you and, and I'm, I'm just really impressed because you seem to just see the people like you even said you saw the light people now were there people that you saw not light or lack oh, of yeah, a lot of them yeah. <laughs> a lot of them that's what I was really meaning by the fact that I didn't I didn't fit in conventionally and you know this was the post second world war and then of course if a child couldn't learn you just beat them so I was beaten a lot um, oh and, and, you know, and th at that level of energy, because it was lacking compassion, lacking in empathy, la lacking in understanding, that was very dark. Yeah. And my th and they were just bewildered by me, poor things. I mean, they were they were frightened. They didn't know what was going on and why I was talking about. I'm seeing angels, um, and so um, you know that their anger. This is what what became rather distressing when the anger came towards me. Their energy became like shards of light, but the light pulsations like broken 
broken glass were different colors. I mean, violent red and dark, dark purple. And so because it, their anger, I, I would do this. And of course they thought that I was mad, you know, but literally I was trying to protect myself from the energy, which looked like broken glass. Yes. And then, wow. you know, I was put into a psychiatric, well, I mean, we called them a mental asylum then, a psychiatric um, hospital, you know. Unfortunately, there was this, I mean, there were lots of very mad people there. <laughs> I <laughs> bet. Uh, but, and, unfortunately, this pediatrician, this psychiatric pediatrician came along and said, this child isn't mad or whatever. This child is a sensitive. I had angels along the way, but yes, it, it was, I, I mean, I, you know, it, it's a story that I tell. It, I'm no long, it no longer impinges on me. Although of course, like all of us, I know where my vulnerabilities lie. I know where my insecurities lie, but I'm always, I, I, I work through alchemy. I'm always transforming the negative into positive. I think that is what is so needed right now, especially, I mean, you were in London, the lockdown. I have many, many clients there. The lockdown there was so extreme at times, some cities never opened up and couldn't, you know, the restrictions were so great to even go shopping. Um, some people were single and, and lived alone and just extreme isolation. Yeah, yeah. So what would you say for people right now in, in that, the, the vibrations? We're not all, you know, as lucky as you where we can see it or feel it. I mean, I was lucky I had vocal coaches who um, picked up on this. And when I was stressed, they'd have me sing different notes to figure out which one would relax my body. It turned out B flat for some reason was what relaxed me at that time. Um, what would you suggest for people? How can people use this tool? What, what, what tools would you give them? Oh, the key thing is breathing. Because when we when we really explore the breath, and what I mean by this is, I have a little bit of a hobby horse about this, because today there's so much breath work, which is just purely abdominal. And for me, professional voice users, when they come to me with a major problem, the reason why they have the major problem is because they're just breathing abdominally. Whereas if we're breathing with the rib cage opening and then allowing the breath be become deep so it's wide and deep obviously not lifting up here but really moving through the base of the rib cage we move in the, into the divine flow of our beings where the breath literally is it's so smooth so we move into this amazing state of rest this we become calm commanding and conscious we feel so secure within the you know within the temple of our beings that we actually, and also we feel an extraordinary stillness. And the stillness always brings us to, I'm safe, I'm secure. And so, you know, going back to what you were saying about this city, I was in bliss. I was, I was running a retreat in Egypt and my agent called me saying, Mr. Pierce, what do you want to do? Because the doors are closed. And I said, get us out. We were on the last <laughs> I had about 30 ladies with me on retreat doing this. I, I, I run retreats in Egypt and have done for many years. So we got out and I came back here, not feeling very well, actually. So I, you know, just looked after myself for two weeks. I think I probably had it, actually. But, you know, I just I just go to bed like a, you know, I go to I go to ground like an animal. And I just um, and then I got better. And London was I've never known London like it. And I know this, you know, I know this city for nearly 70 years. I mean, it's, it was just amazing. The stillness, the peace, 
And I feel that we were being encouraged to drop in to this global pause. I didn't call it lockdown, I called it global pause, where we were really feeling the Divine Mother speaking to us, you know, that the stillness was remarkable. I mean, I would get up in the morning at nine o'clock, walk out of my apartment. I live in the height of, in, in the height of the most extraordinary area of London called Chelsea, which is normally buzzing with energy. I wouldn't see anybody. I wouldn't see a car. I'd walk for 10 minutes into one of London's major parks and there wouldn't be anybody there. And I would commune with, I mean, I was in bliss. Also knew that, you know, it was not gonna last forever. It would come to a close, you know, I wasn't concerned. And also I did my bit as a citizen. You know, one of my clients is a leading virologist and he called me because he's been working with me for years and said, could you come and help me? And I said, um, yeah, of course, you know, I love you. Of course I'll be there. And he, he said, but I want you to come into hospital. And I said, Oh, so what do you want me to do? And he said, well, we'll mask you, we'll test you. I'm sure you don't have COVID, we'll test you, mask you. I want you behind me. I want you to, whispering into my ear what to do because we're so stressed. So I yeah. went in three days a week for about six weeks. I mean, you know, he, he was the head honcho. So I was permitted to be there. And I just shadowed him and helped him do all the things that he needed to do, you know, because most of the people were so stressed that um, the only way to pump them full of anti antiviral drugs was to find, find an, a vein. And they were so stressed out they couldn't find veins. So I got really good at saying, oh, a little bit more to the right, a little bit more to the left, just working purely intuitively. Okay, now stick it in. It was mostly in the jugular. And uh, they, then the person would relax because they'd be pumped full of whatever drugs needed to happen and they would calm down so they could breathe. Oh, wow, and so, the breathe, the breath so I again. Did my, I did my bit, but at the same time, great stillness, you know. Yes, wow. Oh, and, and to be on the front line, you were on the front line there. Yeah, literally, yeah. literally. And, you know, I, I, I profess that it wasn't as bad as the governments were saying. There were I lots agree. Of very, very stressed people. And this particular hospital I was in is in an area of London which is renowned for its lower socioeconomic grouping mm -hmm. with a lot of disenfranchised people uh, who, you know, who perhaps didn't do well at school and have menial labor, you know, and they all smoke or they're all eating, you know, tragically. And so they're breathing, they were just stressed out. Which, when your body is stressed, you're more susceptible. This is this is proven science, already. I, I'd like to go back a little bit to the book, and mm. and you know Princess Diana, and the voice of change, Diana and the voice of change. What what inspired that book? I mean, we're talking about breath. I feel like there might be a connection here. I I don't know. Well, you're intuitive. <laughs> Sense it. Um, what inspired the book? Well, Diana inspired the book um, because twenty. What is it now? Twenty-four years ago, the la at this time in July, twenty-four years ago, the last thing she said to me before going off on holiday with the boys and with Dodi Fayad uh, was, "Wouldn't it be wonderful? If we we made a book out of all this work we've done." And I said. Yeah, wouldn't it be fantastic? Oh, that would be amazing. So, and, she, and just as she left, she said, but let's not do it before the boys are married. Now, I'd sort of forgotten that until I reminded myself the other day. Um, I was trying to get a book 
published about four years ago and it wasn't going anywhere. So my agent said to me, but Stuart, you worked with Diana. Why didn't you write a book about Diana? I said, I'm never writing a book about Diana because our work together was completely confidential. This was yeah. the pact that we had. Nobody knew that I was working with her because she was caught in a circus with the paparazzi and all that was going on around her with, you know, m moving away from the royal household and blah, 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 blah. So I said, look, keep, let's keep it completely completely confidential. When you need me, call me on your cell, because we were just developing cells, cell phones there, called it KP, Kensington Palace, which she didn't really like anyway. Mm -hmm. So she always came to me in my studio here in this district, Chelsea. And, um, and uh, yeah, and she was amazing. Anyway, so we had this pact. But then I started thinking about, wow, but my book would be completely different from all the other books because it wouldn't be a kiss and tell. It wouldn't be a social diary. What I would do is to write about the essence of Diana and how her essence can radiate this extraordinary inspirational quality uh, of the way that she ignited her own radiance who could then inform the women of today absolutely and, and she had she was quite profound and obviously you worked with her so so um it just that it, it it just turned up the volume yeah, this is what I need to do, because I came along just as the Martin Bashir interview, the BBC interview, the Panorama interview, was being released. So that was November 95. And Diana was introduced to me by somebody that was a great friend of hers and who was an amazing patroness of mine. And so we met over lunch. And she said, I want to improve the way I look, because I look submissive. And I want to move into my power. I said, I feel you want to move into your sovereignty. And of course, we mm -hmm. both laughed. <laughs> and she said, oh, I've always wanted to be the queen of everybody's hearts. So I said, well, that's what we're going to work on. We're going to work. Obviously, you're not going to be sitting in the chair, you know, the coronation chair or the throne. Um, what we're going to do is work on the fact that you are the queen of everybody's hearts. So we're going to open up all of your physical attributes and particularly cease doing this. We're going to work through this wonderful spine of yours. And oh, um, oh my gosh, now I can totally see when that happened. Yes, yes, oh my goodness, <laughs> I remember. And Sam McKnight cut her hair even shorter so she could feel the nape of her neck. But she had this extraordinary, she was beautiful, stunning, yeah. five foot, um, she five foot nine, five foot ten. She was a tall lady, you know, but she was stunning when she literally awakened herself. And of course, she loved her body. I mean, she swam every day, every day she had done all her life and would go to the gym most days, you know, at least three, four times a week. Um, so she was very attuned to the flow of energy within her body. All she needed to do was to be aligned into her inner strength. Wow, wow. And, and so, you know, in this correlation, with you know how this inspired you and this book came about with what happened for you in COVID and going and doing your part and really helping people um, calm and change. What is this connection? Which connection? The, 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 this, the part from Diana's 
and and her message from that you've written about the the book the message that came and and doing your part at the hospital or or oh i see because there i i do a number of different things in the world but basically yeah. i'm a i i'm a, a vessel of empowerment yeah and so whether it's helping intuitively helping a client of mine the doctor or working with the voice working on a speech or helping somebody through a very intricate process of healing for me it's all about coming into center and living the greatest truth that we can live which is the greatest vision of our creative force full of love and joy beautiful beautiful so um you know when wow so i I want to go back to also a bit about the light and seeing the light. So when Princess Diana was sitting, you know, before and she would sit like this and, you know, she talked like this and, and what was her light like prior to her sitting up? Contracted. Contracted. Okay. Yes. And she held it very, very tightly. She was an empath and she had been violated. Her empathy had been violated because again, mm. she hadn't fitted in to um, heighten social situations. Her whole modus operandi was completely different from other members of the royal family who tend to be very removed from feeling. Yeah, they have like, I call the, the extreme shields up <laughs> where, where her shields were very vulnerable. She never mm. had shields um, yeah. because maybe she didn't let the light in. So um, well, she just didn't know. She didn't have the linguistic. She didn't know how what that meant, you know, because mm -hmm. her 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 love was always effusive, and then she would show love and get hurt, so she would contract. Right. And the first thing I said was, "We need to develop energy boundaries." What's that? <laughs> well, it's a question. You know, and she would say, well, of course, of course. So we started working on energy boundaries, which are all, you know, it's a whole section in the book about energy boundaries. Absolutely. So it was yeah. really, you know, re really seeing that her empathy was a superpower rather than seeing it as being a demeaned status. Because as we know, um, the wonder of the divine feminine is the fact that she feels and she feels hugely and feeling as we know has been denied by the world of science you're not supposed to feel you're supposed to be cognitive you're not supposed to be intuitive you're supposed to be cognitive you know so we've all got fixated with doing 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 I, I mean that's one of the reasons why everybody's beginning to talk like this today you know what I'm saying I mean it's all it's happening here as well you know? so well yeah. 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 Yes. Um, and what I do is I tune people into their note. You see that we each have a note, but the world of doing, 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 and trying to learn all of these educational processes that often go against the natural element of what the individual is all about, that she had just been attacked on so many levels, criticized on so many levels, so all she did was contract. What I did was to encourage her to expand through the natural rhythm of her immediacy and her authenticity. 
I mean, this was extraordinary. She could walk wow. into a room and ascertain immediately where she needed to go for, you know, to whom she needed to speak to maximize or optimize the greatest possibility in that space. Wow. So those well, lacking in integrity, she left aside until she had to go and shake their hands formally, and then she would always be gracious. And she was, you know, she'd go up to members of the public and say, oh, I love your coat. Where did you get your coat from? Or those shoes are amazing. And of course, people felt the immediacy of such a simple human thing coming from someone whose reputation had preceded her because, of course, she was this iconic being, you know, the most photographed woman in recorded history. Yes. She was just wonderfully, wonderfully, wonderfully real, you see. Yes. Wow. So if for the audience, I want them to go and read this book because I think there's so much power in your, well, all your books, but this one as well, because it really human humanizes this, that, that anybody can do this. What will they get from reading your book? Everything. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Um, well, the, you know, there's, there's almost cartographically, I've included so many of the exercises that we move through. So there are many, 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 many different exercises, and they work on an holistic level. So it's working physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. So there's so much richness that will provide people with the courage to actually move forward. The book begins with love and ends with love. So it's really about awakening us to all of these inherent skills that we have. You know, if I, um, if I just, this is, this is an interest is right at the very beginning. Diana gave permission for formal behavior that stultifies love to be reinvented, for emotional aloofness to, make, to be made transparent, for starched stuffiness to be given a human face, for feeling expression to be given its rightful place, and for dismissive criticism to be turned into discerning care. Indeed, viewing Diana's life through the lens of the last 22, 24 years, um, we can see that what a truly extraordinary life hers was. So it's literally about tuning into what is most precious about who we are as human beings. Cal Stewart's book, Diana, The Voice of Change. Don't miss this. This is a beautiful book that will help inspire your change from within to let it out and the transparency that you want to reflect to the world. This is beautiful. So thank you for watching Inspiration Whispers. I'm your host, Coach Riley, and I just appreciate all your time you gave us today. Again, uh, Stuart, and um, we'll, we'll see you next time. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Wonderful being with you. Thanks.